0: over
1: here's paul calvisi i'm ready i'm 100% ready i'm telling you i'm ready and ron wolfley
0: it doesn't get any better than that unleash the fury
2: the original thursday night football we don't need no stinking bye week around here i mean we're all about talking ball 52 weeks a year on the big red rage and plenty to talk about what is what was what will be what should be it is the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford paul calvisi ron wolfley soon to be joined by cardinals insider darren urban and a cardinals team coming off Whoa, not the way they drew it up you always want to get the win going into the bye not only did they not get the win and that's the last taste going into the bye week but the way they ended the game at the very end, as Kyler Murray said after the game, a 25-24 loss against the L.A. Chargers, quote, there was really no excuse for our last three drives. We got the players. There really is no excuse for not finishing that game on our own terms. Kyler yes. Murray.
0: Yeah, you know what, Paulie? honestly, and I think Kyler said it very, very well right there. Um, how disappointing this loss was. This was big time to me. And the reason being is because of how well they had played through three quarters. And I don't mean just offensively or just defensively. I mean in all three phases. That was the best game I think they've played as a team through three quarters. And then suddenly you had the last four possessions of that game. The last four possessions that happened in that fourth quarter, specifically you ran 11 plays in those four possessions for 16 yards. Paulie, I mean, you had, it, you had a lead. It was 24-17. And then all of a sudden you had a three and out. You got the ball again. It was 24-17. And you had a three and out. Paul, you got it for a third time. 24-17 and had a three and out. The defense, I think, wore down. A little bit in that fourth quarter. It's reality. It happens from time to time. And I think that's what happened to them. Um, After playing very, very well for three quarters and only giving up 17 points. It took all of the fourth quarter before they finally gave up more points to the Chargers. To me, that's why this game was so disappointing. How well they played for three quarters and beyond
2: they ran for 181 yards the Cardinals have been almost unbeatable in that sort of scenario under Cliff Kingsbury when they've had that sort of balance on offense the Cardinals have been a juggernaut that's what made this so confounding in so many ways and you had a Justin Herbert who started three of eight but he ended up 35 of 47 for 274 three touchdowns no interceptions remember Cardinals lost the turnover battle Negative two in this game, they had two takeaways overturned, but uh, eventually ultimately, Justin Herbert at his tenth four qu- fourth quarter comeback in three seasons as charger's quarterback, and the Cardinals quarterback Kyla Murray had this to say I mean we practice that stuff i mean, I mean there 's really no excuse for um, our last three drives, no excuse you know I think we got you know we, we got the players there's there 's no excuse for you know um, not finishing that game on our terms not having to put the defense back out there. They did their job. You know, they did their job. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't get a first down. We don't run the clock. That's tough. You put them back, you know, put them back on the field like that. And at the very end, well, you saw it. The two game-winning plays. You saw the one-yard touchdown pass to Austin Eckler with 15 seconds to go, followed by the two-point conversion to the tight end Gerald Everett. And as Brandon Staley said after the game, the Chargers head coach about that final two-point conversion to win it, quote, smooth like chocolate milk. So there's that as well. There's that. There's, look, the week before in Mexico City, we were there. The Cardinals lost that game because the Niners won that game. Yes. But this game against the Chargers, 25-24, the Cardinals lost that game. If you watched it, they were so dominant for so long for such stretches of that game that I think that's why, honestly, that was probably the most downbeat locker room of the season, being in there. It's because
0: guys knew, man, that was there for the taking. Paulie, I believe that, man, because it was. It was so disappointing to me as an analyst to watch it and a former player to see them actually lose that game when they played so well. I already said that, but I'll use Isaiah Simmons as a microcosm. He was the microcosm of this game. Isaiah Simmons had 8 tackles, 8 solo tackles in this game. Isaiah Simmons had a huge sack for minus 13 yards. Remember how big a play that was? That sack. We th- we said ball game
2: right there. You, you that you late did. sack, you're you thinking okay.
0: Had that late sa- late sack, Paulie, and then a pass defense as well well, he played incredibly well until the very end of the game. And you could even bring it down to the two-point conversion, where that was his man, Everett the tight end, yep. was his man. And yet at the same time, you got to credit the Chargers. They did a great job of using eye candy and Austin Eckler, and, and it was exactly what they were hoping for, that you were going to get Isaiah Simmons' eyes off of Everett for a split second and that's all it took on the two point conversion touchdown so even though he played so well overall the last play literally that he was out there he didn't do it
2: and that Cardinals defense had four sacks I mean it was Isaiah Simmons it was JJ Watt it was Zach Allen it was Cam Thomas they made plays they didn't have any takeaways but they definitely made plays at Cardinals offensive line the 8th different starting O-line combination, four backups, and the stalwart, Kelvin Beecham, the one constant, your starting right tackle, who joined us after the game, and you can hear the resignation in his voice.
1: At the end of the day, it's, a, it's all about the turnover battle, and we had two turnovers, and uh, you're not supposed to win if you have two turnovers, but even in spite of that, as, as you know, stupid as we played today, uh, we set out an opportunity to close the game out, and we didn't do so.
2: Stupid. You, you didn't like the football IQ? Not at all. How so?
1: I mean, there's an opportunity, again, to close the game out with drives in the fourth quarter. Uh, and offenses that are of, of playoff caliber are able to do so, and we didn't do that today.
2: And he, he didn't get into specifics, as you no. might imagine. But let's go ahead and translate that soundbite right there, that that answer, the q and A. I I mean, is he talking football IQ in terms of just execution? Is he talking about strategy, play calling? Is he talking about like, for example, DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown getting a combined one target in the fourth quarter when, yeah. Trey, when Trey McBride got a couple?
0: I, what do you? Could it be all of the above? Yes, I, I think that's what it is, Paulie. I think the answer is yes. I also think too, um, there were a couple of high-profile MEs mental errors that I think also happened over the course of those last few possessions. Right there. Um, I think of the first down run to James Conner that was stuffed by uh, Drew Tranquil. Do you remember Tranquil? He blitzed. A run-down blitz, actually. They brought him down through the B-gap, and he shot through the B-gap. And I believe that that was a deuce block they had going on right there where they did not pick it up. That is where two offensive linemen are going to work from the the defensive lineman up to the second level where you had Drew Tranquil, and he shot the gap. And um, I think that was a mental error. Somebody did not come off when they should have come off. And when you hear Calvin Beecham say stupid football, mental errors, I think, at the end could be what he's talking about as well. Yeah,
2: He, he mentioned that the Chargers consistently pressured on second down. That was their strategy. They did adjust, but there was a big sack yes. of Kyler Murray late on second down. Should the Cardinals have known that was coming? Should the ball have been out? Should Mental there, errors. Should have someone have picked up the extra blitzer, the Somebody extra rusher? Somebody
0: should have, Paulie, yeah. whether it was an offensive lineman or running back, their responsibility to pick it up, or Kyler Murray, the quarterback himself, to know that's hot. If this guy comes, I've got to throw the hot. Yeah.
2: So the Cardinals lose. They've lost four out of five. And after the game, we asked the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and his message to the team going into the bye.
3: We just talked about we've got a bye week coming up. we got a rest, recover, reset, and got five games. We're going to see how good we can be as a team.
2: Yeah, they come out. They have an extra day, actually. The next game is going to be Monday night against the Patriots in week 14. They're off this weekend, and they're going to self-scout. Every team does that during the bye week. I mean, are there a couple of things that stand out? Well, do you think when they look at the film, and I know the music's rolling here, and we got Darren Urban next, but is there one or two things you think really stand out that can be addressed immediately?
0: Yeah, Paul, I think um, how do you get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown a little bit more, especially in clutch situations? Um, they're going to see a lot of two safeties. Over these last five games, they're going to see a lot of two safeties high. That means you've got to be able to run the ball to bring that safety down. And when you get them to bring that safety down, that's when you've got to exploit the secondary with Hollywood Brown and Hop.
2: And the Cardinals definitely made the Chargers pay, especially in that first half with the run game. You saw James Conner get into the second level easily with frequency. All right, what else is on the Cardinals' plate as they prepare for the final five games of the season? Cardinals insider Darren Urban is next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Hand off James Conner, running to the left, got a hole, 25-30, 35-40. Dragged down at the 41. Boy, that's as big of a hole as we've seen open up for the Cardinals this year on the run. James Conner, the lone back. Murray hands it to him, off the left side, through a crease at the 50, 45-40, and down to the 37 of the Chargers, so 20 more yards on the ground.
0: Well, Samuel Jr. came off the cornerback, and suddenly he realized that he was one-on-one with James Conner on the outside and thought he was going to get his doorbell rung, and James Conner went right by him with a nice little juke.
2: What Kelvin Beecham say after the game, get James Conner on a corner, get him out there on a DB, and then look out. And you saw it early against the Chargers. Four of his first five runs, 18 yards, 8 yards, 8 yards, 6 yards. He ends up 25 carries for a buck 20. That is a Cardinals high. His first 100-plus-yard rushing game as an Arizona Cardinal had the receiving touchdown as well. And, Wolf, you're now officially back to your fullback days, Uh, fullback blocking for our Darren Urban. Cardinals insider, who joins us here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
4: What's up, Derb? How you doing? Thanks for having me. So what do you
2: think? Is that a one-game metamorphosis of the offense, in a way? Because you had the league-worst Chargers rush defense. When you look at yards per carry given up coming in, they had given up the most yards per carry to date in a season since the 1970 merger. Or do you think with a healthy James Conner and... Maybe a different run game coordinator and Steve Haydn. Will this be more of the DNA over the final month of the season?
4: I think it's – I feel fairly confident in saying the Cardinals are not going to be able to run like that against the Patriots. Let's put it that way. Mm. I mean, even the beginning of that game, I don't know if it was because the Chargers, knowing what they could and couldn't do against the run, they decided to jam the box. But it was almost like all James Conner had to do was get to the outside, and they just didn't bother having anybody out there. It was – it was really odd to see early in the game the, the amount of room James Conner had to, to run. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to get out there. Yeah, I mean, he was to the second level. All the time.
0: yeah, Easily. One of the things, once again, is going to happen, though, is you're going to see a lot of two safeties playing high. You're going to see a lot of cover two shell that is going to be played against the likes of Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, especially with Kyler back and healthy once again. Even if you had Colt McCoy, I think you'd be seeing an awful lot of that as well. And I think that's going to be something that they're going to get a steady diet of That means you've got to be able to run the ball. If, in fact, you're going to have two safeties high, you have to be able to run the ball in that situation. And that's why it was good to actually see them commit to doing that.
2: Wolf, how many times have you said with backup offensive linemen, and four of your five offensive linemen are backups at this point, four starters on IR. You know what? They're probably better at run blocking than pass blocking. So, okay, with that in mind, plus the departure of Sean Coogler, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, and Steve Haydn and Brian Natkin now in charge on that side. Cliff Kingsbury was asked about the offensive line play.
3: You know, Brian Natkin and Steve Haydn got together and um, had some thoughts, different ideas, and um, I think it was more about the physical play up front. Those guys uh, really took pride this week and after the previous week, we didn't think we, we played as physical as we needed to, stepped up and uh, created some, some nice running lanes. And I thought James finished runs downhill, and so that was positive. But schematically, um, you know, there, there's similarities, and obviously those guys are going to put their own spin on things as well. So maybe
2: a little bit, maybe a little bit of a different scheme or approach to the run game, maybe. But I think most importantly, because Cliff Kingsbury said it with us after the game as well, they just felt like Monday night in Mexico City, they weren't as physical. As a 49ers, I think we'd all agree that was the case. So that was most definitely a point of emphasis. And you know what, Darren? That's something you can control in this final month plus of the season. The want to, the effort, the intensity on on the line of scrimmage.
4: I I don't disagree with that. Um, You know, Again, you are talking about backup offensive linemen. I think Josh Jones has played pretty well. Um, we saw Max Garcia back in the lineup now that he's finally healthy. Uh, unfortunately, Cody Ford seems to have been surpassed on the depth chart by Rashad Coward. So I don't know if that trade's worked out exactly how they had hoped um, when Billy Prays at center. But you, w- when you have the backups, you're right. You can control that, but so can the other team. And you're talking about the reserves. And there is a, there is a talent level portion to this equation that especially to me in the run game, that becomes harder to scheme and more about the talent. To me, I, I think.
0: Notice how Derb looked at me well, when I, he know, was saying I'm just that. Saying.
4: About, yes, we know Derb. I was a backup. No, yes. no, I, so, uh, we all but, get but. But see, to me, like in the passing game, I feel like there are times when you can you can definitely scheme up situations to. Not always get over the talent, but it's I I think it's well easier you saw it against the Rams with Colt McCoy get rid of it real quick it. Yeah. 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 Whereas the running game, it to me it does come down to the talent, and 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 right now the you know the Cardinals are so banged up and 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 it we we saw what happened with the Chargers, the Patriots. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. so. That's the thing. Denver's got a pretty good defense. Their yeah. offense oh, yeah. is horrible. Right. But their defense is really good. Todd Bowles knows what he's doing on defense with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like those are your next three opponents. So mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll see what happens.
2: And to your point, they are banged up and it doesn't look like it's gonna change because here's the latest DJ Humphreys on IR and Cliff Kingsbury has to be out for the year.
3: Just wasn't progressing like we thought. Um, We were hopeful for a while that maybe if something he could come back the last few weeks and play, but at this point, that won't be possible.
2: So, yes, he is done for the year, Wolf. In fact, Darren, I just say this
0: quickly, Polly. right here? I'm sorry to cut you off, but i got to jump in. I mean, D.J. Humphreys, the one thing about him, if you watch him on tape, he's a dog. You know, this is a guy that goes out and balls out. This is a guy that is a dog. This is a guy that will try to bury you. There's a mentality that D.J. Humphreys brings to a football field, and um i i know it's hard for us when we see him he's always smiling he's always laughing and everything even sometimes on the field he's doing that but he does have a dog mentality and i think that's what's going to be missed as much as anything else over the next five games for this team is that dog mentality that dj humphreys brings and
2: playing left tackle right now former third round pick josh jones and cliff kingsbury was asked about his recent performance
3: i think he's held his own he's been waiting for an opportunity Uh, i know at times he's been frustrated because we have had beach and, and dj playing at a high level but he stepped in and um you know, played well, so that's encouraging for us moving forward. And being able to play right, left, uh, be that swing guy, I think is, is a huge bonus for us. Because think
2: about it, Darren. We talked about this the other day. I mean, there are a lot of questions on this roster, especially with this offensive line. Yeah, DJ Humphreys is the only guy mm-hmm. under contract going into next year, I well, think, right?
4: Technically, Rodney Hudson is, but I, mm. I'm feeling fairly confident Rodney Hudson's probably getting to the point where he's going to say, yeah, I thought about retiring this year. For this very reason, I wasn't sure my body could hold up, and, and unfortunately, it, it hasn't. So, um, yeah, Justin Pugh's a free agent. Uh, Will Hernandez is a free agent. Max Garcia is a free agent. Kelvin Beecham's a free agent. Cody Ford is a free agent. Rashad Coward is a free agent. Wow. Wow.
2: That's interesting. So, well,
4: wow. what, what do just, where do you start on that one, Derb? Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why I think they wanted to play Lucita Smith a little bit, to see what he had. Um, I think Josh Jones has played solid football, and that's a good thing. Now, the question is, with Josh Jones, if Kelvin Beecham's not around here, and I think Kelvin Beecham brings to the table a lot more than just what he does on the field, so totally that's something you've got to think about. Um, do you, is Josh Jones, are you comfortable with him at right tackle? If DJ Humphreys continues to be left, is there any chance... You do with DJ Humphreys that you did with Jared Valdez when DJ Humphreys ah. showed up, which was move Humphreys to the right side ah. and have Josh Jones your left tackle. I mean, I think these are some of the things you got to figure out. But in the interior, you you got to just make sure you have bodies. And yeah. right now,
0: they don't have those. Can I just say this quickly as well? Um, Josh Jones, to me... <laughs> Seems to have played a lot better on the left side than he has the right. Yeah, Agreed. Uh, and that's,
4: that's why I brought it up. Yes. And that, it was, is.
2: that was his entire career in college. Yeah, left now, side.
4: Let's not forget, there are people involved here, and you know how this goes. Jared Valdir was not happy when he had to go from left to right. Yes. DJ right. Humphreys, I'm guessing, who desperately wanted to play left, wouldn't be all that thrilled to go from left to right. And I'm not even suggesting anybody's right. brought that up, DJ. Yeah. I don't know anything.
2: And he's paid like a left tackle. Yes.
4: That's true. But at this point, I think, especially with the way the cap's going to be at least next year, I think you go into it saying, we're paying offensive line X amount of dollars. And wherever they end up, they end up. I mean, yeah, DJ Humphreys is getting paid like a left tackle. But if you put it Josh Jones at left tackle, he's not getting paid like a left tackle. So it's all the same. It all comes out in the right.
2: Well, look, uh, this might not be the norm all the way through the rest of this season. There could be potential reinforcements on the O-line after the bye. Here's Cliff Kingsbury.
3: We're hopeful. Um, Will or Rodney, I don't know what that's going to look like, but hopefully one of the two um, at some point in the near future we can get back in there.
2: I'm guessing Will Hernett is much more likely than uh, Rodney Hudson. But even so, I mean, Will Hernandez was playing really good football from all accounts at that right guard position, right? He was. I,
4: I, I think he was. I think he's earned the, the chance to, to be back again next year if they can get something done. And I think he likes playing here. Um, you know, again, when you start talking about having five games left in the season and counting every week that we go by... Then it starts to become, what's, what's the realistic, what's the point of bringing somebody back at this point? I think Will Hernandez, sooner rather than later, and I, I, I don't know off the top of my head if he's got to miss. I think he's got to miss one more game. Um, yes, I think to, to you're right. The, to, so he would get a chance to play four if he came back immediately, yeah. which I don't yeah. know where he is.
0: He was playing so well, to your point, Paulie, honestly, right now. As a matter of fact, I thought he was the best offensive lineman the Cardinals wow. had at that point in time. He was playing very, very consistently. And we all know how physical he is oh, as yeah. well. That, that yeah. is his forte. And that's exactly what I think the Cardinals need a little bit more of on that line of scrimmage. Well,
2: Speaking of, you go into this offseason, and there's no doubt edge rusher, pass rusher is going to be a priority, if not number one overall, but center. And it was interesting to hear Steve Kime in the offseason just talk about the importance of the center position. And it was sort of an epiphany, he realized, just because we always talk about, okay, quarterback, right, and then you talk about left tackle, cornerback, you know, these are the posi- edge rusher. But center, more and more, and he realized just how vital that can be with the when Rodney Hudson showed up and everything he did for Kyler Murray and everything he did for that offense I wouldn't be surprised if they set aside some big money if there's a free agent out there and or a high draft pick for a center this April.
4: I, I wouldn't be shocked either. I mean, the reports came out uh, post draft that had they not traded that that pick for Hollywood Brown, they probably would have gone center in the first round. And uh, and and it's funny that they ended up with Billy Price because I think after the draft thing happened and when they weren't sure, about uh, Rodney Hudson coming back, I think Billy Price was going to be the free agent they were seriously thinking about signing. So, I, I, I think that's something that's absolutely got to get straightened out at this point because uh, the last couple of years with Rodney Hudson being banged up is I I, I don't think anybody's been comfortable with that situation.
2: Yeah. And talking to a few people. Things have slowed down a little bit for Billy Price. It was tough. You walk in, and you got to be the quarterback of that offensive line, and he was required to make a lot of calls and you recognitions know. that he wasn't accustomed to doing, stuff that Rodney Hudson was doing. They are asking him to do the same thing. And Very
0: interesting you know. on that, Paulie, because when he was with the Raiders, they didn't want him calling anything. Isn't that interesting, yeah. Josh yeah. McDaniels? Yeah
2: and it was a very different system, the Raiders' playbook versus Cliff Kingsbury. So it took him a little while, and he has new interior guards on either side of him, but things have slowed down for him a little bit. Remember, the Patriots are number two in the NFL as a team in sacks, behind only the Dallas Cowboys. We continue with this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Third down and six at the LA 34. Chargers showing blitz. They back off, Murray back to pass, Flag down, Pass over the middle, caught at the 20 and a broken tackle, Hop is loose at the 10, at the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown. This will likely stand, it looked like the Chargers were offside, again Murray getting rid of it quickly, being decisive and letting his playmaker do the rest, the 34-yard catch and run for a score by
0: Hop. DeAndre Hopkins over the middle of the field. Great job by Kyler Murray standing tall in the pocket and delivering a strike to DeAndre Hopkins. And as he does so much of the time, he runs after the catch, man. He's slippery. No doubt.
2: I, it is amazing. Like at Cleveland last year, being field level, remember that catch in about 10-yard touchdown yes. run? And he made like seven guys miss.
0: Paul, it's so weird because nobody talks about D-Hop being one of the best yards-after-catch guys. Nobody really talks about him being that guy. Yet anyone who watches him, he is a dicey proposition to try to tackle. Very unorthodox.
2: I mean, Greg Dortch is sat in this studio. And welcome back into the Big Red Rage, our bi-week edition presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, Cardinals insider, Darren Urban with us. Greg Dortch said, I'll make anybody miss in a phone booth. But that's a totally different way that he gets it done versus a DeAndre Hopkins, who's longer... And leaner, and it's just, uh, you know. But
0: seemingly, after every catch, he does make that first man miss. He does. He's so slippery. Not only that, too, guys. Nobody talks about D-Hop being a great, deep threat. Nobody's not a run-by guy. He isn't. Yet, all he does is make plays
4: when you give him the opportunity down the field. It's the magic of DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and that's been crucial this year, because if you didn't have guys like that, if you didn't have Greg Dortch doing a couple little things, even Hollywood Brown before he got hurt, you wouldn't have any big plays because there is no deep balls this year.
2: So before I ask you, Darren, about the first time this year you have seen Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins out there together, let's hear from the quarterback, Kyler Murray.
0: I felt good to have him back out there. Uh,
2: some things we wish we had back, obviously, but to have him back out there on the same field, it was, it was, you know, that was the first time, actually, so it was good to see him both in action. Unfortunately, it was week 12, but you finally saw him out there. So what do you think Brown does for you and does for D-Hop and does for Kyler and does for this passing offense? And to Wolf's point earlier, what does it do against these two high-safety shell looks they keep getting?
4: I mean, for me, the, the the immediate play that comes to mind was Hopkins' 33-yard touchdown that we heard the play call on coming back from break because that was a play where Hopkins was actually lined up next to Hollywood Brown, but Hopkins was on the inside, and they ran a play where Hopkins kind of, Took the slot and went across, and and I, I was impressed with how they executed it. And you know, I, I talked to DeAndre last week about it, and he was. I, I said, "Look, I, everybody talks about Hollywood being back, and does that really mean anything for you, or is it still going to be the defense going to be watching DeAndre Hopkins, and then we'll see how they deal with Hollywood?" and And Hop truly believed that it was going to make for harder choices. Uh, for the opposition, and they weren't just going to completely focus on him. And and I thought we saw a little bit of that. I mean, y- you still want to see, again, bigger plays down the field, especially mm-hmm. with Hollywood. They took a couple shots, yep. weren't real close, unfortunately, and that's a whole other topic of conversation. Um, but I-, I think having both those guys out there makes a huge difference. And I go back, this was before I was on the air with you, but I heard you talking about – the lack of targets on those last few possessions—that—that's really strange to me, uh, because it, uh, you know you would think with two guys out there, you'd be able to find a way to get it to one and, and try and crank out a couple of those first downs you so desperately needed. The one target in the fourth quarter between
2: Hop and Hollywood Brown was the near interception, the one-handed stab. Oh my goodness! By d-hop that saved one of the greatest
0: ten- catches I've yeah. seen ever. Yeah. and yet it. How long? What was that? A six-yard yeah. completion? Yeah. A four-yard, four-yard completion yeah. right there. Just an incredible play by an incredible player.
2: And by the way, Hollywood Brown, uh, we thought he was going to be on a pitch count. Uh, no, he played 64 out of 66 snaps. That's 97% of the snaps, and here's Cliff Kingsbury on that.
3: He felt good. I mean, I, I thought uh, we wanted to see him out there running, and he felt good and didn't want to come out, and I thought he played – Fast and played at a high level, had some, some opportunities that we weren't able to get him the ball a couple times that I thought he was he was running really well. Um, but we'll continue to, to fit him back in and, and get him going.
2: And, of course, they needed it more than ever because they're without Rondale Moore and Greg Dortch didn't play. You know, we get it. There's no Zach Ertz. But, Wolf, well, what do you think? What is the upside? What is the potential for this combination at receiver? Two legitimate Wide receiver ones in this lineup.
0: No, Paulie, I think it has a huge impact. It's one of the reasons why the Arizona Cardinals once again see so much of the cover two, the two safeties high for the most part in rundown situation, first and 10, second and one to six. If in fact that's what you get, you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to run the ball against those looks. If in fact that's what you're getting and the Cardinals get it so much of the time right now. Um, It's one of the reasons why, as well, you've got to have a rhythm and timing quarterback being able to get the ball out quickly. That's something we saw with Colt McCoy as well, something where you've got to have route combinations going against a cover-two look where you're going to have two deep, five underneath, and you're going to get a lot of four-man rushes. That is what they've got to work on more than anything else. I think their quick game, their quick passing game, and still be able to take shots down the field. I I'll, I'll, I was so disappointed. Kyler Murray two times had the opportunity to hit Hollywood Brown and there was one time where Hollywood Brown looked like he had a couple of steps on on the defender and both times Kyler threw the ball out of bounds. This is one of the reasons why I continue to say they got to get Kyler Murray right once again. Kyler's got to get right. And it's not just Kyler who's got to do it. It's the entire offense around him. This is what I think is in front of them right now with five games to go. They got to get Kyler right, in my opinion.
2: And especially when it comes to those deep shots because, Darren, his first three years, he was yes. among the league leaders, if not number one, in deep ball accuracy, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, the the the, the that missing piece is just... That's that's what's glaring this deep in the season, quite frankly, is the inability to to have a ball go over the top. We saw so many of them, uh, and most of them were to Christian Kirk in the past, so yeah. I, I don't know if that plays any kind of factor into this. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the offensive line issues, so you, you would need a certain amount of protection to be able to throw it that far down the field. But even when he's had the, the moments, it's it's either come up short for one reason or another, uh, or it's it, like in the other game or this past game, it went out of bounds and and, and not like close out of bounds, like, oh, it's he's just tied up in sidelines. Like the one I'm thinking of, had, there was no chance. And you, you wonder where that is because, quite frankly, he's been so yes. good at that. Yep. Uh, yep. But even even the fourth down play, the one that completely melted down, I felt like if he gets the ball a little further downfield, Hop makes that play over Derwin James, yep. and he just left it a little short. Yep.
2: Well, look here is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he knows what he has, and those two receivers is the reason they made the trade for Hollywood Brown and added him to DeAndre Hopkins.
3: You can see that you know it can cause uh, some problems for the defense, and, and then Zach Ertz. You know he's he's a big part of work in the middle. He's a guy who is is kind of the fail safe for this offense. Um, that that's one that. With those two guys and the speed they play with around him, I think, you know, could have been a real weapon. But watching Hollywood run and take the top off things and then DeAndre doing some of the underneath stuff, uh, it can be a, a, good, a good weapon for us moving forward. There's no doubt. And there's
2: no doubt if you had Zach Ertz working the seams along with those two wide receivers, Wolf, oh, the potential. I know in the pregame show, Drew Stan was talking about, look, just the fact of where they're going to line them up. And when you put D Hop and Hollywood Brown to the same side, now what does the defense do? You certainly can't bracket both of them. You can't double-team both of them. Now you have four DBs to one side of the field. Uh, guess what? That's a, you know that that's definitely a, a liability there. So there's it's interesting. I was watching throughout the game, and I don't have the exact specifics, but it was interesting how they were being used. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is inside a lot more than he had been
1: last year.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. And they're moving him around. And I think that's what they've got to continue to do to expand and evolve this offense is to definitely move him around. But... Once again, um, can I just continue to say what the Arizona Cardinals, to me, need more than anything else is a true stud tight end. That's what they need, a true wide tight end where they can get into 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And two of those wide receivers are Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore would be another guy that would be perfect to add to that. But now, all of a sudden, if you had that true stud tight end, you could... In rundown situation, you could run the ball just as effectively as you could throw the ball.
1: Okay, and
4: that messes defenses up. But in when we're sitting here talking, the elephant in the room is Trey McBride. Have that chance to be that guy? You've he spent does to, have a
0: chance. He's to be a second that round guy. pick. I know he does have a chance to be that guy. Will he? That's the question.
2: Hmm. Well, and it was a question put to Cliff Kingsbury this week: the progress of the top tight end taken in the draft.
3: He's just. Growing into it right now. I mean, we we see some real flashes of practice where, um, you know, you know he's going to be a very good player in this league. And then uh, sometimes in the games, it seems a little sped up for him. But that that. It's all rookies, you know, and and the more reps he gets with Zach being out, I think it's going to continue to help him and uh, you'll start to see some of those flashes as the season winds down. There are a couple of things that
2: are confounding and perplexing about Trey McBride so far. I think it was week two, we had Max Williams in here on this big red rage in this studio. Mm -hmm. Unprompted, he went into a long explanation how he thought Trey McBride was going to be special. Sure. How he has everything you need to be that two-way tight end. Sure. And then in, in practices and in training camp, he catches the ball easily. He has really nice hands in practice, I know. But you know, he doesn't fight the football. He looks like a natural pass catcher. But we haven't seen that obviously translate to game days.
0: No, we haven't. And you know, I'm sorry, Paulie, but right now the the jury's still out on Trey McBride. No doubt, we all know that. Yet at the same time, you bring up Max Williams. Never, th- never forget what this offense looked like through the first five weeks of the season last year. <laughs> September and October of 2021, it was humming. And the reason why it was humming was because of what I just said. They could throw the ball or they could line up and run the ball with a true stud, tight end, Max Williams, run the ball against six-man boxes all day long and hold up, especially at the point of attack. They could do it. That was a huge advantage to this offense. And they got to get back to that at some point in time. But that requires that you find a true stud tight end. And I'm not saying Max Williams can't be that guy, but we all know wow. that he's fighting it. And I, has was, I was going
4: to say, when Cliff Kingsbury talked about his injury, I mean, Max Williams' nerve ending is not walking through that door and mm-hmm. yeah. and, and fixing that leg that right. that Cliff talked about earlier this week. and And I just – Max isn't – at least this season, and maybe who knows ever. He's not going to be that guy. But I bring it up as an example. Yeah, I get Wolf, that. Yeah, I get that. About.
2: And to your point, Wolf, there's a reason they went after Trey McBride in round two of the draft. Correct. Because I think they understood the importance of yes. that two-way tight end and what Max Williams did do. To your point, for that Cardinals offense, the beginning of last well, year.
4: I agree. The jury's still out on Trey McBride, but the the reality is, is if you're drafting a guy in that spot, the the he he better be that guy. And and I'm you know at this point it is what it is. I think they're you'll you'll use Zacherts, but we'll talk about in the off season, the jump from year one to year two. Hopefully he can have a Zayvon Collins type kind of jump. Yep, and they're going to need him because I agree they need that piece. Um, but that's why you draft him and and. If you're sitting here and saying they don't have that guy right now, he's, he's going to have to figure it out. And to me, and I'm writing a piece for the azcardinals.com later in the week about different things that they can be looking at uh, down the stretch here because the playoffs, let's face it, aren't going to happen. And one of them is the development of these rookies, of the MyJ Sanders and the Cameron Thomases, maybe even Keonta Ingram and definitely Trey McBride. No, that is a great point right there. Honestly, five games. Trey
0: McBride's got to see yeah. the field. Yeah. You put him out there, and you let him see it. Well, he's been out
4: there. Yeah. Yes. He, he, <laughs> Since Ertz got well, hurt, he's the, the guy. The
2: play after the one-handed stab by DeAndre Hopkins, he had the incompletion. Whether you want to call it a drop or not. It he, was knocked away, Paul. He was disappointed. He was dejected on that on that bench. I, I'll be honest. I'll draw a parallel. I don't know this. This is just my observation to an Andy Isabella early in his career. Confidence. Is it there right now for Trey McBride? There's that story of what... Uh, coach mcdaniel did for tua in miami yeah put together that whole real highlight reel restored his confidence and That's so maybe somehow some way they can do that with a Trey trade At
0: some point in time it, it always has to come yeah. back to the individual doing it
2: episode 51 of the dave Pash podcast featuring rg3 robert griffin the third thanks to darren urban cardinals insider we continue with the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert First and goal on the two. Floyd to the right, two receivers to the left, including Fitz. Snap to Palmer, going to
1: throw. Lobs it left side of the end zone for Fitz. He's on the ground, and he still caught it. The century mark for Larry Fitzgerald. Career touchdown
2: number 100. And the Cardinals tie the game at 20.
0: Deadly and single-minded of purpose. Larry touches the ball as he's going down. It's somehow... Pinned it to his helmet. What a catch by Larry.
2: In fact, when D Hop made that one-handed stab to prevent the interception in late third quarter, the first thing I thought of was, you know, that's Larry-esque. That's that's Fitzgerald worthy. Larry legend. How many unbelievable catches did we see over his Hall of Fame career? Great call there by Pasha Wolf on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network as we wrap up this bye week edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Ron Wolfley, do you appreciate enough, when we hit Zoom out during a bye week, some of the caliber of play you've seen? by Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and company over the years.
0: Yes, Paulie, I do. There's no doubt. Don't forget Roy Jetstream, yes. Green, somebody yep. that I actually oh. played with, Paulie, and Anquan Bolden right. as well. Man, have the Arizona Cardinals had some wide receivers.
2: No doubt about that. So Cardinals getting ready for a New England team, so that was sort of uh, ironic there, the 100th career touchdown against the Patriots team. And guess what? They still have the same head coach. And we all remember 2020, at least I do, because it was a very long coach. Covid Trip to an empty Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, and Cam Newton stuck up. I mean, just was terrible. Stunk up the joint, had a passer rating in the 20s, and somehow Bell Belichick pulled a win out against the Cardinals in that game. Cam Newton. I mean, you just look, they're not going to give you anything. They're going to be buttoned up, they're not going to beat themselves. Right. You tell me. You played for the man. What are you expecting in New England when they come to town on Monday night, Week
0: 14? Well, just like you said right there, Polly, they don't beat themselves. That's a hallmark of Bill Belichick and what he coaches, what he teaches, of course, what he believes, and every team for the most part all the way back to the cleveland browns even when he was with the cleveland browns we didn't beat ourselves we just weren't good enough at that point in time they had players like me i mean they just weren't good enough paulie and you know um that is a hallmark of bill belichick and the arizona cardinals are going to have to be buttoned up if they don't want to get run in this game and Um, Yet at the same time, I just have this feeling, I really do, with five games left coming off of the bye, I have this feeling that getting Kyler Murray right has got to be the goal overall. Forget about wins and losses at this point when you got a 1% chance to get into the postseason. Forget about that. Yeah, it'd be nice if you you, were, you won a couple of games in a row, whatever it may be. But to me, it's all about getting Kyler Murray and this offense playing at the level you thought they were going to be playing coming into this season.
2: Buddha Baker, all pro safety, his message to the locker room over these five, final five games
4: rest rejuvenate recover be with your families and but at the end of the day when it's time to work we work at work and we got five more opportunities take the best of those opportunities because you know this
1: this league it stands for not for long and we got five more opportunities to play some good football
4: and uh that's the plan that we're going to do
1: so let
2: me ask you five of the last six games now db's have been the leading tacklers for the cardinals defense is that a problem if you're vance joseph and Look, I get it. Buda Baker, over the last four years, nobody has more tackles as a defensive back in the NFL than Buda Baker, and it's not even close. But I just wonder if that's one of those things you're looking at, and you're hoping that maybe a Zavin Collins. Now, Isaiah Simmons did tie for the lead in this game. Sure. Those two guys, to me, should always be at the top of the tackle total.
0: Yeah, I would say Isaiah Simmons as well, because he's also playing an awful lot in space from time to time, so... So that's something that I think he's always going to be up there in terms of tackle. Zayvon Collins, on the other hand, yeah, I, I, he's getting better, man. This much I know about Zayvon Collins. This guy is getting better. I watch him on tape, and even when he doesn't make the play, sometimes he's he's doing a great job of filling his gap and stuffing the play. So um yeah I I'm encouraged based on what I'm seeing from those two young guys right. that's
2: good to hear because obviously they are the future they are first round picks and then you have the likes of a Byron Murphy whereas yeah DJ Humphreys with his back injury put on IR and Cliff Kingsbury said he's done for the year that's not the case with Byron Murphy at least not yet can you see Byron Murphy back because guess what he needs a decision on his future with the Cardinals and Man. his contract That just like a Zach Allen does another draft pick by the Cardinals, who's had a really nice season on the defensive side of the ball. There are a lot of questions to be answered and a a roster to be formulated. And you know what? The only real telling trait is what they do on this game film. Yeah. And for that reason, I don't expect this team to cave in. There are too many guys that have too many of their own futures wrapped up in the outcome of these final five games.
0: Yeah, right now, just looking at it, Zach Allen, I'm extending him. Oh, yeah. Byron Murphy, you better believe it. You get him healthy, I'm extending him yep. as well. Yeah,
2: No doubt. And, look, your cornerback room I think is a lot better than we thought going into this season. I, I To me, that's not the priority this offseason. If you can extend a Byron Murphy, I think you're set there. Use some of those early round draft yes. assets
0: going after the edge rusher. I think of Jalen Thompson yep. and what they did with Jalen Thompson. Yep. I think they're going to do the same thing.
2: Yep, there you go. Well, special thanks, Darren Urban Cardinals Insider. Jim Almohundro, Zach Larson. Once again, Cardinals off this week. They come back Monday night football against the New England Patriots. Five games to go. And we'll be here every Thursday night on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford.